Okay, we're all good. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. You're listening to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hoywell here with Simon Blaney and this is episode 73. Verification is a necessity, not a luxury. Um, that phrase, Simon, verification is a necessity, not a luxury. I'm sort of paraphrasing something you sent me on Slack, I think, yesterday. Um, and we'll dig into that kind of, you know, the ideas we kind of talked to this podcast, but ultimately it comes down to the idea that people think of it as maybe not something that is absolutely vital. It's kind of like a, a nice thing to have. Um, I often like that. Like, what, why is it vital? Let's begin with that. Well, verification serves the absolute most fundamental component of lead generation, which is, is this a real person that I can contact? Um, that's why it's so important because without that it's you know what's the point Um, and I think it's important to um, understand the sort of nuances in verification and where it happens where it's needed why it is and uh, how verification sort of changes um, dependent on how you're collecting leads as well well I mean, verification is essentially a solution. So let's start with the problem. Um, I think, actually, I think the term problem is almost a little bit too abstract because, well, for two reasons. One, people don't know they've got a problem or they don't really fully appreciate how big the problem is. Um, I think that's particularly true when it comes to kind of fraud and verification, that kind of, this kind of area. So let's start with that. Like, how big a problem is it we need to solve? Let's begin with that. It sort of breaks down into two areas and it depends on where you are in the lead generation chain. But let's start from the beginning. So imagine that we're currently generating leads and we're firing leads via Facebook or affiliates or PPC, whatever, that all have different levels of uh, bad leads within them. But what you'd normally do is put verification on the front end of the form, right? So what you're looking for is typically is this person's postal address right if you're collecting that is this person's email address contactable and is this person's telephone number contactable um and the what happens is this falls into two categories so one is mistyped details which is huge constantly all it needs is one digit being wrong or one letter not being contained in the email address it might have like 25 characters anyway and you can't contact that individual um, so that lead effectively becomes dead at that point. So you have verification almost as a prompt to a user to let them know, you know, that telephone number is not right or it's wrong or, you know, you need to enter a different email address. Um, so it's quite, it, from that perspective, it's almost like the only way you can ascertain how effective that is would be to record the sessions that people entered because you don't know how many people go back and, like correct their details and whatever else because when you put this stuff on the form the likelihood is that you're going to get less bad leads anyway right so Mm -hmm. a lot of the time you don't necessarily know um how effective it is or not all you know is that you're giving every lead the best possible chance to be a real person and have contactable details now once that front end lead generation process has taken place and the lead's been collected and it's now going off to a buyer um 
the buyer has to verify the lead because they don't actually know whether it's being verified in the front end or not if they're not collecting the lead so like they can take people's word for it and you know i've got verification on the front end and whatever else but what if they haven't what if it's been switched off for the day um what if there's something wrong with it what if actually they've sent you something else so to give you an example i mean i've bought billions of leads over the years right like i don't even know how many a lot um and we used to verify and i still suggest people to do this now every single lead and every component of every lead that we ever bought because we wanted to remove any chance that person wasn't real or wasn't contactable because both just destroy the whole lead generation process either one of those so uh i'd always just verify it as part of the um lead buying process as well now within this there are like lots of nuances um that come into play so this is stuff like um let's imagine that you're filling a form in um with a mobile number your, your cell phone number you're putting your cell phone number in and you're doing a live lookup on there um of that person's telephone number and deciding whether it's you're going to accept it or reject it on the form now what if that mobile number is out of network at that moment or they've just switched it off or something yeah. they're on a desktop and they've just switched their phone off what do you do what would you do are you, 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 I thought this was a rhetorical question. No, no, I'm, <laughs> well, it was. No, I switched it into a real question. What's uh, what would you do? Well, well, in, in that scenario, do I, I'm, I'm not aware of it, so I would, I would miss it surely if I know that. Do you know what I mean? being verified and that that lookup software would be. No, but the lookup software is telling you that this phone is switched off. It's non-contactable. Oh, she tells you it's moment. switched off. Yeah, yeah, or it's out of network. You know, like they can't. You wouldn't be able to ring it at that moment. So what do you get? Do you get a notification saying, you know, like it's not when you just call back later? Or yeah. Like... So if you run mobile verification, you get, let's say in the UK with most networks, you get like, is it li it's live, it's dead, or it's switched off or out of network? Just, I don't know if you put a note to ring back at a later point, I assume it's kind of the answer people deal with, which will they not? Yeah. Well, this is one of the things that you have to like contend with. So what, how do you deal with it? So some people actually reject that lead uh, on the entry point. Now, if like me, why would they reject it? Sorry. Just they can't, they can't contact it. But they wouldn't think, okay, they're out of network, but I'll put a little note or something saying to call back or to make that. To call back some, in an hour some, people, some people do, some people yeah. might reject it. I mean, the way I handle it and just to give you, um, the way we sort of like the default settings that we have in Databall, for example, is that if um, someone entered their mobile number and it happens to be out of network or switched off, you can actually toggle this, but we'd allow the lead to go through, but then we retry it three times over a certain number of hours to see whether it switches on. And only at that point does the lead get delivered because um, okay, yeah. Over, I think it was a 16-hour period. If that mobile number or cell phone number doesn't switch back on, there's only a seven percent chance it ever will. So, so essentially, sorry, so it, just bringing back to you, you asked me, you, it takes away the need for me to worry about it and to think I've got to write that note and go back to it or manually do it. Sort of prevents that kind of. Um, but it's just the thing, right? Like, what do you do in that scenario? Like, I'm filling a form in. The only number I've got is a mobile number. And I can't fill my mobile number in on this form. 
Oh, you mean as, as if I was submitting it, you're saying? Yeah. Sorry, I thought you... I, I took this to mean if I was receiving the lead. Well, no, no if you were submitting the lead onto a form. Okay, I've entirely missed your question. I thought you meant if I was thinking about no, it no, no, lead no. by perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if I'm filling the form in and I can't get... Oh yeah, I, just, I just go somewhere else, yeah. And this is the thing. So these are the like little nuances that happen. What happens if the API goes down that's actually doing the lookup against the, uh, you know, like whatever service you use, it could be Twilio or Infobit, whatever, or, you know, I don't know, validity for email addresses. It happens, right? I mean, I we see this shit all the time, like the APIs go down. What do you do in that scenario? Do you suddenly not allow a user to put a numbering because you can't verify it or do you allow them to put it in um, and go through and what you'd actually switch to is like a syntax checker of the number of digits that had been entered and whether it matches like the country that they're in. There's all these like weird little nuances. The moment you start driving a lot of leads and buying a lot of leads and everything else that you start really digging into. It's a bit like um, landline numbers in the UK, for example. The verification that runs on those isn't like binary. So my point behind this is that very few of these verification pieces are binary. It's not like turn it on, turn it off. You actually have to think how it's going to be applied. So just going back to what I was saying, the landline verification in the UK is based on probability. So it's the probability of this number potentially being live or potentially being dead. And then there's all different like different API responses within that. It might be 60, 70 different API responses that you then need to figure out. It comes with default settings, but these things change. And so, you know, we've had like scenarios where we found out on an ad that a user can't enter a telephone number because this one response that's being given that would normally look like it should be 100% dead is actually like, I don't know, it's changed. The lookup has changed in some way. Um, and you have the same thing with addresses. Last week, um, I went for a meeting, a two-hour meeting, and we literally sat talking about address lookups for two hours and how it varies in countries and how people in different countries enter their postal addresses and how that might change when a person from that country lives in the UK, for example, and how all this has to be dealt with in different ways so that you're not necessarily rejecting people's addresses just based on the way that they potentially type their address in things and why the nuances of like the address lookup has to always like fuzzy matching within that um and so it, really it like this verification stuff is a bit like people and, that, and that's why it's sort of like you know like a real person that's contactable like there's no sort of right or wrong other than you know there's no like binary on off um this is about creating a scenario that gives you the best chance possible of confirming this is a real person that you are able to contact. And this is all just like, you know, reaffirms this point of why it's so important. I think it's also something you raised, I wrote a little note because I thought it was a really interesting way of looking at this. And maybe something I've not thought of in this perspective, or maybe not worded like this before. I think you think of verification as something to prevent bad data entering your system and you spent wasting money on that. But actually, what you've sort of flagged there is equally as important to ensure that good data does enter your system that may not have otherwise. I think that's really crucial. Exactly. And on that, I don't know how many years ago is this now? 10, 11 years ago. I sat in a room 
with three other people and got a census from uh, the UK census from 1916 up until that point, which was, I think, 2011 or 2012, got every name out of it. And we used to run data that come in as leads against like thousands and thousands of names and we'd flag anything that wasn't on that census. So it's like a new name, right? Um, and then what we used to do is like literally look through that data and we'd pick out any Mickey Mouse stuff that was obvious. Um, then we'd go through like a vowel and consonant checker and start to look at what names make sense with like a certain number of consonants in a row in the UK. But this is a weird thing. It changes um, per country. Um, and then what we'd do is when leads went over to our clients for stuff that we couldn't like make a decision about, do you like the name Precious? It's like, you know, it's not necessarily common in somewhere like Thailand or Japan, but they can, you know, or even in some African countries, they might use the word, it'd be very unusual for like a person born in the UK um, to potentially be called Precious, but it is a name, but you get a lead with a thing Precious on it and you're looking through all these different things and you're like, is that, is that a real person? You, know, you almost start to like second guess whether you're able to sort of like determine what a person's name would be anymore. Um, and my point of this is that um, people's names can be all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And um, you can have leads. So we put like salacious names checker in, you know, and then it's like, okay, is it if the word is contained in the name? So just for example, the word Scunthorpe is not someone's name, but it's a place. Um, or is it if it's just definitely that name or someone's famous name? So I don't know, Clint Eastwood is highly unlikely someone's going to be called Clint Eastwood, but how famous do you go? Yeah, at what point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like what point does this sort of person's fame then start to cross into, well, it's, that's also like a name and also, that someone might use. Yeah, or for example, like, you know, I, I love the idea that there's just a bloke somewhere who's got loads of money who just happened to be called Harry Potter, who's like putting some in leads all the time. He's like, fuck's sake, I can't get any insurance. Um, yeah. I, I used to go to school, I used to go to school with someone called Joe King. I mean, that's how bad it is. Oh, like you would never, yeah, and they used to go, I'm Joe King, and they go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah what's your real name? Like, <laughs> I, spent, anyway. I spent years trying to get quotes on, quotes on this stuff, just not happening. Yeah, but um, so there's all these like weird little like fluctuations. The minute you really start digging beneath it, and I think coming to your point is really, really important. It's like, you know, you want to be able to just contact real people. And it's not just about keeping the bad ones out. It's also about letting the good ones in and making sure that you don't sort of, create too stringent a rule to potentially reject them, but at the same time, um, make sure that you're contacting them. But um, at its very fundamental, basic level, going back to the thing that we mentioned right at the top, verification is all about, is this a real person that I can contact? And that's it, because that's all lead generation is. It's like, it, it literally underpins it to some degree. Yeah. And like I said, just to come back to, to the title of the podcast, I think is a nice way to sort of conclude this. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked, I'm sure we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I'll say it again, maybe for listening new, that number, 35%, is like a rough number. We say leads we see either fraudulent or out of spec or suitable, but like basically people are spending money and they've not got verification on, they're losing potentially 35% of the chuck that money away. And that seems mental. Like when you think of it like that, like that's just a huge amount. But what my question is, 
are people either not aware of the problem, not aware of this number, so they don't know they need to solve it, or do they almost accept that as kind of like spillage, for want of a better term, thinking like, you know, well, this is no good, we're going to lose some money, but we are going to get 65% great leads and we can sell it. Like, why is why is it treated like a luxury and not a necessity, I suppose, is the question. I think silage might be a better word than spillage. Yeah, I can think of it as silage. I don't even know what silage means, but it sounds filthy. Um, <laughs> it's just some sort of waste matter from farms, isn't it? But um, I think potentially it's a bit of both. So I wouldn't say that companies necessarily always see it as a luxury. Some definitely, you know, see the necessity in it. But I think there's two things in this. So one is they don't necessarily see it being that big of a problem. And you can virtually guarantee when they don't see it being that big of a problem is because their conversion rates are at a point where it's hitting ROI on leads they buy, right? So you 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 probably would think that. But that doesn't mean that it's not a problem. That just means that you're able to convert leads that might be experiencing that problem um, at such a high rate mm. that, you know, you're sort of ignoring the rest of them. But a classic example is, you know, Let's say I'm collecting leads in the front end and they're going into a call center and I'm just APIing it into a dialer and there's no verification taking place. Um, and I'm able to contact 60% of those leads. That's a normal rate, right? Like they call it DMC. So I speak to 60% of decision maker contacts. Um, and some of those will be right or wrong. Like might be a small percentage garden, never fill a form in or, you know, some you might not be able to dial a number or the email address is wrong or whatever let's imagine there's no verification at all but the real question is what about the other 40 percent that you couldn't contact like that's nearly half yeah. the leads yeah. and we like no one even knows whether they're contactable or not because no one's getting hold of them anyway um so i think that's probably what it comes down to is just whether your conversion rates are high enough. I think if you're a brand buying lead, it's potentially seen as more important um, because you really want to get rid of like any potential pollution of your database and the like costs that can have of feeding it into sales teams. Um, you know, the marketing costs of putting all this stuff together. If like 35% of all your efforts are basically wasted, it's like, what the, you know, it's absolutely pointless. Um but yeah, I, I think that's that's it. It's just, you know, do the conversion rates add up to a decent ROI? If they do, we can sort of ignore it. Interesting way of thinking about it. But, you know, whether you think about removing the bad data from it or ensuring the good data's in there, it all comes down to sort of streamlining your database, removing your kind of, I think, bloated marketing database in a time match way of, you know, I think we've worded it before. Um, yeah, hopefully people listening will have, um, I don't know if I'd say switch from thinking it's a luxury to a necessity, but hopefully we've really hammered home that point that it is a necessity, um, it is a huge problem and can massively, it's a, it's a relatively simple solution to massively improving your performance. Um, so yeah, I think, it was worth, I think it was worth doing a podcast on verification alone, because although we talk about it a lot, we've not actually really dived deep into it so um hopefully hopefully we've done that and i was of use um just looking at slightly at episode 73 um i think it's probably worth bringing it back around to something we discussed before so i'll put you put you on pressure so you think uh without any preparation but 
Um, we're thinking about changing the name of the podcast. Um, like we said, you know, BTV Generation, we literally called it that because we uh, have the wrong sort of approach. Well, people be able to search it. But I think we've got past a point now where we're going to have to, well, not rely on it, but we, we accept that's a bad name for a podcast. It's very, very boring. It's not the most, like, yeah, <laughs> enticing name, is it? Yeah. Um, so rather than just us decide, one, we'll put it out there and train its responses. We were toying with some different ideas. Um, the winning one at the moment, although we've not decided upon it, but um, the highest vote at the moment is the Data Orchestra. Um, we thought it was pretty cool and obviously works well with the idea of moving data around, whether B2C or B2B. Um, and, you know, like things like verification, um, data going in, data going out, and all the things in between, it seems to fit quite well and got quite cool. I think, B2, I think B2C lead gen, the name was just a bit like Ron Seal, wasn't it? It was just like, yeah, exactly. That's what it says on the tin, and we just went, let's just go with it. But yeah, in terms of an actual like podcast name, it's not, you know, no one's going to be, uh, doing anything untoward to themselves at night over it. I know I'm not. <laughs> just, just to clarify, is that the action you want? Well, yeah, ideally. Oh, that's a horrifying thing. Um, okay, that was episode 73 of the BTC Legia podcast. For now, maybe one of the last few of that. Um, verification is a necessity, not a luxury. Thanks for listening to the BTC Lead Generation podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.